worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you are caring for a person with autism, great information from a trusted source can be a lifeline. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. We are here to have the conversations that will help you create success for the extraordinary individual with autism in your life. Now, here is your host, Rob Haupt. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. A bit of a chaotic morning for me compared to our normal Tuesdays. Uh, Actually, hosting today's show from location. Um, normally, I, I talk to you guys from uh, Southern California, from my my office in LA, and today I'm I'm up in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle, Washington. Um, so it's uh, a, l- a little different to be out of one's comfort zone and and you know have everything lined up the way you like to or you're used to, and not have that all of a sudden. But you know, making do, trying to trying to get ready as best I can. Uh, for everyone new, um, you know, I'm your host, Rob Haupt. Uh, I'm the Vice President of Business Development at Autism Spectrum Therapies, or AST, an agency that is providing services to uh, individuals with autism and other developmental disabilities across all ages. Um, I'm also a BCBA, or Board Certified Behavior Analyst, with about 12 years' experience helping kids, families, adults on the spectrum um, really achieve their fullest and, and providing ABA services. Um, the cool thing that, that really has kind of happened for me in the last couple of days is, is, is coming up here. Um, you know, being in Seattle, it's really cool to see different families and, and kind of hear a different community within our community's perspective. That's, that's really been a big part of what I've been trying to bring to the show, um, at least as your host, over the last, year, which, you know, we're getting really close to is actually a year of me hosting the show. Um, but yesterday, I had this awesome chance to uh, review a brand new program, a social skills program that um, we just started offering here in Seattle. And it was so cool to, to see it in action. You know, uh, had six kids in there, a mixture of kids with um, with autism and some typically developing peers. And it's something we've been trying to do is really work on the generalization um, to different types of kids. And all I got to hear and see were these, these great successes, these, these great changes that, that my team and the parents were seeing. Um, you know, all the kids who were in the program had, been, had a history of one-to-one. And this is kind of something I actually talked about just the other day on a, a video blog I did, um, which is up on Facebook, but this idea of, like, when's a good time to bring in group? And for all these kids, they had a history of one-on-one, and our big purpose, our big goal, the big thing we wanted to do was to see, can we generalize these skills to other kids into a group setting? You know, their kids are doing great one-on-one, but can we get them ready for something bigger? And... That's what we were seeing. You know, we're, we're two to three weeks in this program, and I was seeing, you know, one parent was telling me about how their little guy was actually about to transition into kindergarten in the fall, and 
they were concerned about that. They were worried about, is he going to be ready for this? Is something that he's going to be able to do? And he just was doing awesome. Yeah, we saw some behaviors. Yeah, he was a little stubborn, but he followed all of the directions. He followed all of the instructions from the team. And, and that's what was cool about this group, is that we weren't just doing, okay, one instructor for one kid, but there were multiple kids, and, and he had to follow directions and be more independent than on his own, which he wouldn't get the opportunity to do in a one-on-one home session. And so that was exciting. And then my, my teacher was telling me, or, or the person running our group was telling me about the um, day one and how one of our kiddos just had the hardest time separating from mom and dad, and that they just kind of came in and was a pro and was into it, and just, they're like, yeah, see, day two, this has just kind of been the way he is, and that parents have been really excited about that, of, you know, this accomplishment in such a short period of time, so it was really cool to see this, um, and I think the most exciting piece of all of it was that two of the kids, turns out, are in the same class. Their parents have never met, but they're in the same classroom at school. They've been in the same class all last year. They'll be in the same class next year, and they have never met each other. And now they're talking about scheduling play dates outside of the session and doing more things together outside of our social skills group and outside of their one-to-one. And it got really exciting to really look at... um, what could be next? What could the future for these two kids be? And what could their program end up being? And I think that's probably the most exciting aspect of the social skills group is on top of all the goals that these kids were meeting and on top of the progress and the generalization that um, we're seeing is what could come outside of this group? What could those next steps be? to a birthday party, to a community outing, to uh, two families going to the park together or going to uh, maybe the amusement park together. And I think that's what is really cool about these group opportunities, especially after the foundation of skills are developed and are set up and we've seen this initial progress from our kids. Um, so, yeah, I just I got inspired, got excited. And, and, and the whole team, more, more importantly, too, from my selfish AST hat, is my whole team was talking about it, and now they're excited to spread the word about, hey, we're doing this something different. We're doing something important. We're doing something special. And... Now they're going and telling their friends about it who are in the field. They're talking to their other parents about it. And, you know, I, I kind of start off saying, well, you know, back selfish A's chat. But, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's really true or if that's really fair because I think it's about, you know, a, a lot of times the parents need to hear about resources or, more importantly, colleagues hearing about resources, whether it be an OT, SLP, other APA people. Because the word about just resources and opportunities spread. So, really cool experience for me, um, and, and to see this program kind of in action, and 
kind of see some of the things we've been talking about on the air um, moving into, I guess, into real life and into actual practice. Um, so let's talk a little bit about today's show. Let's talk about a little bit about this week. Um, really excited about our our guest today. Um, you know, we talk about social skills and, and particularly these uh, preschool age kiddos to start off the show. But today we're actually going to talk more about adults, and we're going to talk about um, adult transition. And um, today I'm I'm joined by um, Chantel Cicely Kira. And um, Chantel's really been uh, on the front line. She's a parent, um, but she's also been an active advocate with her son, Jeremy. Um, Chantel is uh, someone who has passion for empowering others. And uh, through her love of writing and her personal interest in autism, um, this led to her becoming an award-winning author of five books, speaker, and a leader in the field of adolescence and transition to adulthood. Uh, Chantel founded... Um, AutismCollege.com, which provides practical information and training online. Her first experience with autism was teaching self-help and continuing living skills to severely developmentally disabled adolescents in preparation for their deinstitution. <laughs> That's a mouthful, but from, a, from the institutional setting into more of a general residential setting. Um, something that I know we as a field definitely need a lot more of. Um, she also served on the California Senate Select Committee on Autism and Related Disorders and as the co-chair of South County's Autism Regional Task Force. Her most recent book is called A Whole Life of Autism. And she also blogs on the uh, HuffingtonPost.com and PsychologyToday.com. Um, she's got numerous awards, including Autism Society of America Literacy Award, of the Year, as well as San Diego Book Award, 2012 Barron Inspirational Award, and the 2012, or sorry, 2013 Top 10 Autism Blog. Uh, so, with all of that, Chantel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, really excited to have you. Um, I know when, when we uh, originally had you on the show, I wasn't even aware, um, I, I'd been aware of the, the books you wrote and some of the things you were doing online, but I didn't realize that you and your son Jeremy had also been highlighted on um, an MTV documentary called True Life. Yes, that actually was when Jeremy was 17, and um, yes, True Life, I Have Autism, and actually when they were uh, planning to do that show, they were looking for three uh, teenagers with Asperger's syndrome, and somehow they found me because of my uh, adolescence book when they were doing research. And uh, they heard that Jeremy was going from using a letter board to using a technology in order to communicate and how that was changing his life. So they uh, asked if they could um, videotape Jeremy, and Jeremy agreed to be uh, taped. And um, I thought they did an excellent job of it. And actually, I we received a lot of um, emails from people around the country, not necessarily with autism, but even um, families of people who had strokes asking, oh, what kind of technology device was that and how could we get one? You have to remember this was pre-iPad. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, and it's so funny, and why I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you uh, a little bit about that documentary is, yeah, I remember watching it. I remember just kind of sitting on a, you know, a random Wednesday night tuning in, and I actually thought it was one of the best documentaries I had seen 
about autism because it felt very real. Um, and I really, part of what was really great about it is I'm, I'm glad they incorporated Jeremy because so often I feel like you do see early intervention or you see kids with Asperger's. And I thought Jeremy's story and, and your family's story was much, I don't know, it, it felt more real to what I was doing every day as a professional. If you guys represented more of um, the types of kids I was working with, um, whether it be with a voice output and maybe not being um, able to expressively communicate the way that, you know, neurotypical kids do, um, whether it be some of the different, you know, transition goals that he was working on and, and some of the aspirations he had. It just, it felt very real. And I actually found myself telling people about it, of this is a documentary you should see to give you um, a little bit of a different perspective. And so well, I, I, I just decided. That's kind of our message, uh, well, my message, but also Jeremy's. Uh, Jeremy is a child, uh, was a child who had um, ABA programs, and he had OT, and he had speech, and he had a lot of different things. And as he um, writes about in the book, A Full Life with Autism, where he describes a little bit of uh, his um, childhood, all these things helped to him be- becoming the person that he is today, but he yeah. is nowhere near uh, your neurotypical person. But I still believe, and he still believes, you can have a full life, and it all depends on how you look at it. And that is why um, I founded Autism College and also why Jeremy and I together, well, actually separately, but we co-authored the book, A Full Life with Autism, to really give uh, people a realistic uh, point of view. No matter where you are on the spectrum, you have to kind of go with, um, where the person is, and of course they can always learn, but what it looks like for each person. And it's really about creating a life um, worth living on the strength each individual has. Yeah. Well, I want to talk more about that perspective and, and some of your and Jeremy's experiences, um, but we've got a commercial break we've got to take, so we'll take a quick break, and we'll talk a little bit more about your book and, and about, about what you what you've been experiencing with me last year. So we'll be right back after this. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here.
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. Uh, I'm joined today by Chantel uh, Sisui-Kira, um, talking about her experiences, uh, both professionally and with her son, Jeremy, and really emphasizing... Um, Preparation for transition and for adulthood. Um, you know, Chantal, I was kind of curious. Um, one of the things that I know you talk about in your book and you talk about through your profession is um, the importance of life skill training and preparation for teenage years and young adulthood. But I, I was kind of hoping from your perspective, like, when, when is the critical time to start? Like, where... Is it at the teenage years and, and focusing on, like, the stages that we saw on True Life, or is it an earlier stage? So that's really uh, two different questions in my mind. There's the whole uh, preparing for puberty. That's that okay. kind of issue. That's a teen issue. And then also transition. Okay. So transition um, training or preparing for transition really should start much earlier in school. Um, even starting by teaching them to make choices and self-regulation and organizing. But um, if you haven't started when they're younger, it's never too late to start. But by middle school, they should actually be learning um, how to self-advocate for themselves, uh-huh. how to self-regulate. Because if you're going to be living in the community, you're going to have to be able to self-regulate to live with other people and to hold a job or go to school. And also, you have to self-advocate for yourself because... Um, your parents not going to be with you everywhere. And if you are on the more able end of the spectrum and you're going to attend college, for example, as a parent, you no longer have the right to be asking for what your child needs for um, accommodations. So that's a really important, uh, just in a nutshell. But when we talk about puberty, that's really uh, something that should be prepared for before puberty starts to happen. It doesn't matter where the child is on the spectrum because imagine if you're a child that doesn't like change and you know how many children on the spectrum don't like change and all of a sudden they see their body changing and weird things happening like hair growing uh, where they didn't have hair before or for a boy his um, Adam's apple is becoming more pronounced and his voice is changing and a girl who's starting um, her menstrual cycle and no one's ever explained to them that their body's going to change, that's really hard because not just as a teenager, but as a teenager on the spectrum, someone who doesn't like surprises is going to find this is one thing they cannot control. And I do believe that everyone is capable of understanding. It just takes longer for some, and you might have to try different things. But even with someone who is nonverbal, we should never assume that they can't understand. And by creating, for example, a picture book that has pictures of um, their uh, the parents all through their stages of life, of when they were a little kid, all the way up into adulthood, so that they understand, oh, they used to be little too. We all change. And then with um, very basic information, what we would call the birds and the bees, and also why, what's going to happen to their body. 
And that's really important to go over those things with them so that when they do start happening, they're not going to totally freak out. And, in fact, I feel so strongly about this because, you know, I travel around the country at a lot, and I speak at a lot of conferences, and I can't tell you the numbers of parents and educators who talk to me about this as a major challenge because they say, oh, my gosh, this kid's autism is getting worse. And I say, how old is that person? And they'll say, you know, somewhere between 9 and 12. And I say, they're not getting worse. It's that they have autism and, and adolescence. And the two together can be a killer, And which is why part of the reason why I created Autism College, and I'm going to be starting again to do trainings, which I've done before, on um, adolescence training. I do a series of uh, three webinars, um, and I, actually this fall it's going to be September 10th, September 17th, and September 24th from uh, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock uh, Pacific Standard Time, and there's more information on autismcollege.com. But the reason is that um, parents really need to have basic information, practical information, so that they can help their children through this area. Well, you know, that was going to be kind of my follow-up is, you know, I want to tackle both parts of what you said, but when I think about, um, when I think about the idea of puberty, how do you, you know, I feel like that's a hard topic. Most parents, just with neurotypical kids, it's something that they're anxious about. You know, I know, you know, my mom felt comfortable having the birds and the bees talk with us as kids, but my dad felt less comfortable about it. And having a child on the spectrum, I often hear parents feel more uncertainty and more nervous about having that conversation. So I I love that you've already given some techniques and some tips, but what do you kind of, how do you help a family? Because I'm sure you get this question a lot of like, who is nervous about breaching the subject with their um, child on the spectrum? It is a a terrible thought uh, for parents because you know how I always make the joke that um, it's terrible when you think about your parents having sex. You know, when you were little growing up and you had thought about your parents having sex and that's how yeah. you, you know, you'd go, ew. There's nothing worse than that except thinking about your kids having sex. <laughs> and when you're a parent of a neurotypical child, you know, you give them the talk and you kind of let them go on their way and you know that they're having these health classes in school and so you figure, you know, you're going to be there to help them make responsible choices, okay? You're going to give them your ethic and maybe religious training. But for someone on the spectrum, uh, I think what parents have to do is realize, and if you think about kids with autism, you remember that they're mostly very factual, okay? They're not as emotionally driven or they don't show the emotions as much. So if you think about it from that point of view and you look at the topic and teach the topic much as if you were teaching a class, um, and, you know, you do have to put the ethics and all that kind of responsibility that goes along with it in the training, but for the basics, we really have to teach them as if you were teaching them math or teaching them spelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's hard for parents, but that's why there are, that's why I do this uh, um, autism college training because I think it's really important that they have tools and that parents will have tools mm-hmm. uh, in their hands because a lot of times educators aren't um, that much better with knowing how to uh, explain these things. Another point that I want to make is that if you have a child who has Asperger's syndrome and you think that this is all covered because they're going to health class, think again. Because if you think about your ASCII kid, what you remember is that they take all this information in and they're really great at at spilling it out, right? But what happens is it's never 
stopped in their head for a minute to think, oh, my gosh, this information is not just subject matter. It means information that I privately need to know and use. And so if you have a child who's sitting through uh, health classes and is getting all this kind of information already, it needs to be at another time um, talk to him in a sense of questioning him about the information and making sure that he realizes or she realizes that that information is information that applies to them as a human being, as a person, not just as a subject matter. And I'm sure with your experience in uh, teaching and ABA, you understand what I mean. Oh, absolutely. Hey, I kind of wanted to kind of piggyback onto that and kind of the flip side and, and something I hear from parents and I'm, you know, maybe that's the perfect reason for what you're doing with autismcollege.com. It's, you know, a parent having the desire, maybe the, you know, do you, do you find parents talking to you of, I have the desire to have this conversation. I want to, I want resources, but the providers I work with are dissuading me, um, saying it's too early. Don't do this yet. And have you come across that as well and, and have any advice maybe for parents who are on the flip side of it? Because I sometimes hear that myself. I've spoken in about 38 different states and a lot more cities. Because some states I've been back to many times. And I will tell you that um, it's very mixed. In some areas, it's the parents that don't want to talk about it. And the, the school systems are open. In other areas, the school districts are not, allowed, not at all open to the conversations. And it's the parents who are saying, where can I get this information? Yeah. And when it comes to adult services, um, most of adult services where I've been, at least to major cities, are pretty much up on this information because they have to be when they're dealing with um, residential uh, situations. But uh, it's very important that the conversations take place because, um, you know, to get down to even just a basic thing, which uh, I hope I'm allowed to say the M word here, masturbation, but yep. this is a big problem uh, in, in parents' minds and um, school districts' minds because And why is it a problem? Is it a problem because nobody masturbates except for people on the spectrum? No, it's because they don't know that it's private behavior. And so you have to teach the whole concept of private behaviors and public behaviors, and this not just for that specific um, self-soothing ritual, but um, also because of that's how they can keep safe. And Uh so um, parents will be flipping out because their kids are now um, doing this self-stimulatory activity, but autism is a lot about self-stimulation. And if you take away, you can take away all the other things. We take away all that and tell them they shouldn't be stemming. Well, you can't take away that one because they have all their parts and you can't remove them. And so you have to be able to tell them uh, that it's appropriate to have in in their own room and that's it. You know, you can't have that happen in public, but parents you know, have a really hard time with it because no one's ever explained to them, well, how do you handle this situation? Oh, and I've, I've even ridden on planes with school district personnel from some states that I won't mention coming back from ASA conferences, uh, not from school districts in California, and they will say that they actually have a room where they allow people to have what I call private time, so I don't have to use the M word if it bothers anybody. But the thing is, is that that's, how can a school do that? And then I was speaking in another state, and the principal raised his hand, and he said the OT suggested they have a private room where people could have private time. And I think it's ridiculous. People are, like, hiding the problem instead of realizing that together, parents have to work with the school districts and work together on facing these challenges that they have. And it's never appropriate to have a room somewhere 
that this yeah. happens. The private behavior that happens at home. So where's your home, and you have a private spot in your home. End of story. Well, you hear you hear stories all the time about someone's teaching the child that bathrooms are appropriate place, and then they overgeneralize to public bathrooms. And I hear private rooms in schools kind of go in a similar direction of, am I reinforcing the idea of this is okay in public if it's in private? And that's right. not the and message you want. Too, uh, to kind of switch the topic a little bit, but just um, as I know one of the challenges uh, that parents have and they're really concerned about is keeping their kids safe. And so another thing that I think we could all do a better job of, um, you know, in school or at home is on how, when our kids become teenagers, we treat them. And I mean uh, physically. So, for example, when a child is uh, young, maybe the teacher greets them with a hug, okay? Uh When a kid is in their teens, that is no longer appropriate. And we have to remember that the school is like a mini society. And the Uh same with parents. We all have our own things and cultural things at home of how um, we express affection to each other, but it's not appropriate anymore for a parent to have a 12-year-old sitting on their lap, okay, if if emotionally that child is not 12. Maybe at home you do that, but not out in public. Right. And and the other thing is, is that in school districts often, let's say an OT or a physical therapist can't come in to work with the child, sometimes they'll have an assistant or a different OT come in. And then we allow this OT to put their hands on our child without asking permission. Now, mm-hmm. this sends a signal to the child that anybody who's an adult or anybody is allowed to put their hands on them. So that's one mixed message that we're giving because then um, they don't understand about inappropriate and appropriate touching if we don't teach them. And then the second thing is that all these kids grow up and if they go out in public and they start putting their hands, like even just on somebody's shirt because they like the color of the shirt, or there's a pattern that they want to touch. You know how that happens. Absolutely. Well, if they're over 18 and they do that, they're going to get in trouble with the police. And so we really have to be so careful about the signals and the examples that we give to our um, children and to our teens at, in school and at home. And that's another thing that I discuss on my adolescent trainings that I do online on Autism College. I want to talk more about this this teen and and particularly kind of this topic we're starting down, but I want us to take one more break. So let's take another quick commercial break, and let's maybe tackle now this, uh, this little bit of an older age group, uh, maybe a little post-adolescent into teen years um, when we okay. come back. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. Uh, we're joined today by uh, Chantel Cicely-Cara. Um, you know, right before the break, you, you started to talk about space and boundaries. And, um, you know, I, to me, that's always been like a critical, almost understated part of the teenage years. It's, you know, this is a key prerequisite we need to get working on at, you know, really at the age you were saying, 12 years old, because high school without that skill is going to be just brutal. Um, and I was hoping maybe you could expand on some of the other key skills from your experience that we really need to work on to um, help our kids succeed in those critical teenage years. So um, I, I just mentioned in passing earlier self-regulation, but... A lot of times when we talk about self-regulation, we tend to be thinking about the sensory challenges that individuals with autism have, and we work a lot on that. But um, we need to be working a lot more on the emotional self-regulation. I think that's a crucial area, and many times with um, individuals with Asperger's syndrome, we do tend to address those because uh, if they're speaking about things, then because it's kind of recognized that, oh, they're smart, and so they have this uh, capacity to um, understand. But even those who are on the less able end of the spectrum, or, for example, someone like my son, uh, we don't think that much about the emotional aspect because they don't show emotions in the same way, but they are very emotional. And it's crucial that um, we uh, give them the opportunity to learn how to self-regulate in terms of anxiety and um, all those other areas of emotion that they have a terrible time with, especially in the teen years. For some, it may not happen in the teen years. It may happen the first few years out of high school because of the change in high school and also because um, emotionally they tend to uh, mature at a slower rate than those uh, who are not on the spectrum. Well, and how much of this, I know you, you make this point, um, you know, in your book, uh, the most recent, The Full Life, um, and, I, and I wonder, you know, you talk about the idea of the incidence of depression that is um, happening with our kids with Asperger's, but I wonder if, if similar things can be, um, I guess, associated with our kids, regardless of functioning level, but just based on the social part. Um, kids with Asperger's are typically more in general ed settings, have more mainstream, or are interacting more with neurotypical peers. Um, and I wonder, is, it, is this self-regulation and the potential anxiety that comes um, with it the, the result of just, hey, I'm an outsider in this world and really helping kids cope with 
being different and being unique and the emotions that could potentially come with that while you're going through so many changes um, developmentally at the same time. Yeah, it is really hard. So the depression um, that I talk about in the book has been linked. Um, they say it could also be a factor of whether there's depression in the family or not. But it is linked uh, very much so to how uh, in the teen years they're regarded and they see how they're treated. And also, we always in the past used to think that they don't want friends and that they don't have emotions, and they do. They just don't show it in the same way, and they don't know how to go about having friends. And when we talk about the transition to adulthood, um, which I cover in A Full Life with Autism, it's even more pertinent then, and I really would like to help get the message out there because that's the most calls that I get are from parents of kids or uh, young adults, I should say, who are 20, 21, who say, oh, they went through high school, great, you know, with some help, but now they're falling apart. And why do they fall apart? Because uh, you have a student that was maybe doing okay in high school and was just getting by with the emotional and the social stuff. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, their schedule is no longer there for them because even if they're going on to college, college is what? They go in for different classes at different times. They have to organize their own schedule. Um, there isn't that opportunity uh, built in to make friends uh, like there is in high school. In high school, they're used to being there from 8 to 3 or whatever the time is in that school district. And so they have a schedule. They have a routine. They know when they're supposed to get their work done. Uh, so the depression of after, you're not seeing all the people you used to see all the time before because when you're in college, you really have to make that extra effort to connect with people. It's mm-hmm. not like high school. So there are a lot of factors uh, that make the transition to um, adulthood also an area of uh, depression and anxiety uh, for many. When you talked, I know before when we were talking a few questions ago, you talked about um, a little bit of the concept of self-determination, self-advocacy, and, you know, preparing at this early, probably middle school age to speak up for oneself. And, you know, it's, I would think that that's got to be a critical phase of college because you don't have um, the structure. You don't have maybe the same people. You know, I can speak for myself. High school felt a little handheld compared to college where, you know, you're really on your own. You really have to look out for yourself. And so is that one of those critical skills as, you, as it relates to this next step? And, to, and it can be taught through the IEP process, actually, and right. even through meetings, uh, teaching someone to take more and more responsibility. And I just want to make a point here uh, that I made in A Full Life with Autism, which is super important because I'm surprised at the number of people who don't realize this, but um, the big difference between high school and going off to college or to other areas of adulthood is that um, IDEA, the Individual with Disabilities and Education Act, mandate is it's mandated. So either... Uh, till the age of 22 or until the person graduates from high school, whatever the person needs to learn is, um, you know, it's mandated that they need to learn whatever the goals are uh, that has been decided upon. But once you uh, graduate from high school or age out of the transition program and you are in adult services, adult services are not mandated, mm-hmm. which means there is no money following. So, for example, if if a classroom has uh, 12 people and um, another two or three people come in, the school district may say, okay, we need to do another classroom now. You can't turn somebody down. But in adult services, if you have five spots and you have 25 people, it doesn't matter. You're only going to have those five spots and everyone else goes on a waiting list. 
And I'm bringing this point up because um, school is the last time that you have the opportunity to really learn those life skills because many um, students that make it through high school and graduate then don't have those life skills that they need, and the parents are wondering, well, how do I teach uh, what they need to know to be in school to keep a job? And I always recommend to parents and to school districts that they um, don't graduate the kid in four years. Take five years, you know, and fill in time for them to learn those skills that they need, all those executive functioning and organizational skills, the self-advocacy, you know, the soft skills, the social skills, everything that you need in college and in work because afterwards there are very little resources out there and they are not free. And I know how hard it is for parents when you're, um, because the challenge for us parents at, at our age is that we're older, we have less money, we're trying to get money together for our retirement, we, mm-hmm. we don't have energy anymore to look for the resources, and we're also all going through our midlife crisis and wondering when can we get off this train we never wanted to get on, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's really hard. And I, so I'm really making this point because the school years are just the perfect time and the perfect opportunity to be learning all these life skills. And I think that uh, I'm so happy to see when I travel around the country that there are more and more school districts really revving it up and taking advantage of that and understanding that and parents looking for that. But I really want to make sure that um, the listeners um, understand that. I, I No, I think it's really great that you say that because... I think sometimes we do think, okay, I've got to get this done in four years. Let's rush this through. And the flip side is, like you said, you assume everything is going to be the same because that's the way it's been for 22 years. So why wouldn't it be the same in the 23rd year? And, you know, again, understanding the system is probably as important to, um, to being successful within the system. Um, right, and that's why... Um in uh, one of the three, uh, one of the series of three online trainings that I do on adolescence, I, I spend two hours talking about that whole transition period and what parents yeah. need to be aware of that they make sure that their um, child is getting prepared for during school, you know, the kinds of things that you should be asking for in terms of thinking of for goals and objectives. Sure. You know, even for someone who's not going on to college or for someone like Jeremy, Jeremy's smart, but he has a lot of motor skills. Mm-hmm. Something just as simple as packing his bag with all the items that he needs to go do something, whether it's doing his painting or doing his uh, going to gym or going to school, he has to be able to get all his things and organize his materials or organizing your time. When are you going to get your homework done if you have a project that's due in two months? You're mm-hmm. not going to wait until before. All these mm-hmm. things can very easily be put into the IEP and be worked on while they're doing their schoolwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, we got one last commercial break we, we need to take, so let's take uh, one more break, and then we'll be back with our final segment. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. 
Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to more info at autismtherapies.com. That's more info at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the final segment here on Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm joined by Chantal Sisley-Kira. We've been talking uh, about the transition process into adulthood, but uh, from, from a pretty broad span. And, um, you know, with our final time, I know there was there's a concept um, in your book uh, that I, I found kind of interesting, and it's something that, um, I had never heard of before, but made really sense, a lot of sense is um, that everyone on the spectrum or every individual has different circles of support. And I was hoping maybe you could talk a little bit to our listeners about that. Right. So um, circles of support are really uh, important for human beings in general. And most of us neurotypicals have four uh, circles of support that happen um, automatically or very naturally. So the first one is the circle of intimacy, and that's your loved one, um, whoever you're married to, or who you couldn't live without, even if it's just a pet. The second one is the um, circle of friendship, so it's your friends and people that you're very close to. The third one is your circle of participation. So maybe it's the church or the synagogue or your place of worship. Maybe it's Toastmasters or whatever organization that you belong to, that you interact with people, but you're not necessarily best friends. And then the fourth one is your circle of um, service providers. So those are people that you pay for service. So it could be um, the pub where you buy your beer, the store, the hairdresser, the plumber, all those people. So what happens, though, in families uh, with a child with autism is the child or the person with autism, as well as the family, finds that they really only have people in two circles. That's the circle of intimacy, so it's the family, mm-hmm. and then it's the circle of paid providers. And so what happens to families like that and people with autism is that uh, it really brings financial and emotional challenges to the family because either the person on the spectrum has only the close family that they're connecting to or people that you're paying to be a part of his life. And I'm bringing this up because I think it's really important, no matter how old your child is, that you start working really hard on creating these circles of support. Because I know from my experience, 
and you know, when you have a child um, who needs a lot of attention, who is very involved, um, like Jeremy, who requires 24-hour supports is, is that your social life starts going down the tubes and you have less and less time to go to the meetings of those organizations that you might like, like Toastmasters. And so little by little, you're cutting your connections off in terms of the different circles. And those are the connections that you would still need as your child gets older, just for your own self and your happiness, but also for your child to help them as they grow into adulthood. And so I think those circles are really, um, really important to cultivate and, you know, I would really suggest to listeners, no matter how old um, their person on the spectrum is, that they pay real attention to cultivating those um, circles of support. Especially the the participation one is the one that you want to start cultivating because that's where the friendships come out of. Right. And I'm I'm glad you made that point because that's actually what I was going to transition to in my own thoughts is, you know, that working in those areas, and hearing you, the thing I took away that I felt like was really um, important for me, falling into that professional paid circle, is because there's a gap in circles two and three, I, it, it just put in a different perspective of how easy it would be for me to, like, inadvertently fall into a different circle. Or because there's a a family or an individual on the spectrum doesn't have as much and many people into another circle, how they, it would be very natural and easy for them to look to an outer circle, that, that paid circle, um, to fill that void. I, I feel like that's basic human instinct and, and something I can almost see myself doing. Um, if and, I you know, parents just can't keep paying all the time, and then the individual with autism you know, unless they're able to get a job, and that's, you know, there's 89% unemployment rate right now, and I know we need to be focusing on that, but we can't always be paying for things that, uh, you know, that uh, just so that they have relationships with other people. And and sometimes when those lines get blurry, when you really need the help of the paid person to give you their paid professional opinion, you really, um, you may not get it, or you may not be... You know, you may not be willing to give it as a paid professional or you may not be one willing to hear it as a parent and, and those lines can get blurred and that could maybe impact you in a different way. So I I think there's a lot of really just good understanding from, from just learning about these circles. Right, and in The Full Life with Autism, um, that book, I do talk yeah. about some ideas for uh, creating more people in the circle of participation. And one good way is if your child is able is to find a small um, volunteer job Mm -hmm. or a way to um, volunteer in the community so that they get to know more people. Another way is um, through finding a mentor. If you have a child who specifically likes something, like, for example, my son just discovered at the age of 23 painting. You know, he could have knocked me over with the feather. But um, he does these extraordinary paintings now. Well, sure, I could enroll him in art classes, and that's one way, but I'd also like him to meet other artists. But I don't feel that I should have to pay other artists just because my son has autism. I'd like him to be able to go somewhere. I'm trying to find a mentor in that area who would want to, um, you know, mentor Jeremy a little bit in art once or twice a month and not necessarily need it to get paid for, but do it because they enjoy doing it. No, I mean, that makes perfect sense, and then it becomes the relationship that you're talking about. I mean, I, I, 
I, I get that really clearly. Um, right. You know, I, I feel like we've only maybe scratched upon the surface of some of the information that you've got and, and some of the resources that you've been providing, um, especially in, in a lot of the stuff you talk about in your book. Um, so if folks out there, if our listeners are curious, if they want to learn more about whether it be the topic we, a topic we've talked about or, um, or additional topics, like how can they you know, get in touch with you or, or learn more about the services you're offering or even how to, to find your books? Okay, so it's very easy. They can go to Autism College, so it's Autism College. Uh, all one word, dot com. Okay. They can sign up for uh, my newsletter, and I send out a newsletter once a month, unless there's something really special going on, like this radio talk show. So I sent out a special one for that. But uh, <laughs> because what I'm doing on my website is two things. There's a lot of writing, first of all. So you can look up in my blog and find information, like you know how to take your child to the dentist, or you know uh, tips for teenagers. Mm-hmm. And also in the newsletters, I give a lot of tips. And I give free once-a-month um, Q&As with visiting professors, I call them. So I've had Temple Grandin on. I've had people in all different areas to give information for free for a two-hour interview, and people can send in their questions. And then lastly, it's the trainings, the adolescent trainings, and the ones that I'm doing uh, most recently will be back on September 10th, 17th, and 24th. And if people sign up for my newsletter, they'll be getting the notice of when those are taking place. But I have a lot of uh, writing on that website, so people can just read at their leisure and um, sign up for the newsletter. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really just love the the, the different points of view you have. I mean, like I said, the circles was something that really um, I took away and I felt like I learned from, from a professional point of view, but I know you've got a lot of great perspectives that um, we haven't talked about. So I was, I was gr- so glad you were able to share so many of them today. Thank you for having me on. All right. Um, we got two minutes left here. And so I just want to close up the show. Um, thank you guys listening. I, I heard I had a little, Came in and out a little bit on my uh, on-location uh, hosting today, so I'm going to have to work on that glitch. But thank you for bearing with us. Um, the information that was shared, I know, was, was just stellar, fabulous information. Um, I want to point out a couple shows from the past. One in particular I think is great to go with this. is a show we had back in December, um, on December 18th, with uh, Christina Whalen talking about employment options for adults. Um, you know, it's that next step to this conversation um, and one that I know um, Chantel talks a lot about as well. Um, also, we talked a couple weeks ago with uh, Christy Osland um, in terms of success in college and career in science and technology. And, you know, as Christy talked about, there are a lot of kids um, with Asperger's who are going down that career path and that educational path. So, again, another great follow-up show to kind of go back to and listen to and, and pair this information. Um, really excited. Uh, next week, I'm going to be joined by another pair of authors. We're going to be talking to the authors of Thinking Person's Guide to Autism. Um, so I'm really excited to have them on the show because, again, another perspective that's a little bit unique and, and can be rounding out what we're learning about and creating as a community. Hope you guys have a fabulous week. Um, have a great weekend, and I will talk to you next week. Take care, everyone.
We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join us for another edition next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.